Welcome to the Valve Chronicles by Clay Valve, your trusted partner since 1936 for the world's highest quality automatic control valves. Join us as we share insights and discuss products that are often invisible, but always essential. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of The Valve Chronicles brought to you by Clay Val. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us here for this episode of the show. Today, we're talking about an app called Link to Valves, and it helps you make faster, more intelligent decisions on your water system infrastructure. And joining me to kind of break down this app and everything that it has to do with Clay Val is Jake Corzine. He's the Western Regional Manager for Clay Val. Jake, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Tyler. Absolutely. And we're also joined today by Tim Newman. He is the production facilities lead at Mission Springs Water District. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Afternoon. How are you? I am doing well, Tim. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on. And uh, and I know that um, that from having conversations with Jake that you were an early user of Link to Valves. So what do you like about the app? Give us some, some background here and, uh, into what drew you in and really got you into it. I worked for the city of Redlands at the time, and I was tasked with monitoring 18 modulating valves. Those valves were sort of the lifeblood of the system. They made some changes, gave the responsibility, used to be with operations, and they switched it over and gave it to maintenance, and I was the lead plant mechanic. So I had talked to supervision and just said, hey, I have no idea of a maintenance record on any of these, and if we're going to do 18, can I just do every valve in the city? And they just kind of looked at me and said, really? And it kind of went from there. I started using Link to Valves, yeah, as soon as it came out. I was bugging our old sales rep, Jeff Varney. I had been kind of talking to him about this. This would be great if Clayville had something like that. Did they have anything? And at the time, around 2014, 15, I guess they were talking about it and kind of sort of kicking around developing it, but I don't think it had come out. Until 18, yep. Yeah, so I, I immediately jumped on board when uh, the day I was able to download it, I was on board with it. I like the... I think my favorite thing about it is the geolocation. That to me is nice when you have staff that are new to the agency or even the program. You know, you're able to to direct them to the location of the valve, what type of valve it is, what its function is. So it's super convenient for any type of maintenance activity. The other thing I think for me that's really nice is the monthly report that you can get sent to you in email format. When you've got a bunch of different job duties, we all wear multiple hats in our careers, you know, and when you have a bunch of different duties, it's important that you get that reminder every every once in a while. Things, you know, can fall off, to, you know, by the wayside. So are you doing most of that on the app or the web portal when you're logging that stuff to? You know, I do use both. I use the app if I'm at the site and I just need to quickly input something. I find the apps a little bit faster. I stay logged into it. It's literally two clicks. You, know, you click on the app, log in, and then you're, you're good to go. It brings everything up. The website I do like because I, I really have a tendency to favor the tree view. Just to me, visually, that's, that's just, it's all right there. I can look at, say, you know, site X and then visualize every valve in that, you know, in that tree. So for me, that's, everybody works a little different. So Jake, we we dove in real quick and and talked to Tim just about what he enjoys uh, about the app, but maybe give us some background on on why Clayval you know created this and maybe the purpose behind it. To be honest, we had a bunch of people like Tim saying, "What's the maintenance on these valves? When do you, when should you tear them apart? And you know, how do I know when I should look at these valves? Because right, wrong, or indifferent with the Clayval, a lot of people leave them in place, and if it's not broke, don't touch it. So. 
that's great and we appreciate that but we kind of fall back on you know you want to change the oil in your car before you throw a rod and we've talked about that before tyler i use that saying all the time but there was really no way to track it and you know to be honest every single water system is different so it needed to be able something that we could tailor to each district and into their system so you know a group of clay valve employees were sitting around and they're kicking around some ideas about what they what what the next thing is we should work on and how do we keep people keeping their valves in service? Because a lot of times the valve goes and it gets sold and, you know, we never know what happens to it after that. We sell through our distribution network and, you know, we, we lose track of them. So we wanted to put together a way that we can track the valves so we can keep supporting them long after the sale, as well as helping the customer manage all of those critical assets in their system so they can know when they need to take care of them. Because a lot of times they just don't know. And then having the ability to tailor it to their maintenance program that works best for them. You know, you go over to New York, they have really clean water and they don't have to service them as much. You go to some places in Southern California where I'm at or Arizona, they have really hard water and need to tailor their system to, to, to tear those valves apart a little bit sooner. So the ability to track the valves and know when each district needs to work on them is really where it came from. Excellent stuff. Now, Tim, Jake asked you a second ago just uh, about, you know, using the web portal versus using the app. How do you determine what you're going to do in each maybe uh, method of communication, be it the app or the web portal? How do you determine what you're going to do in each one? And is it more based on just where you are at any given time? Or are there certain maybe functions you like better in one versus the other? Yeah, so like I was saying, the, the app for me, just being a maintenance guy and having to put out fires all the time. And if, if I'm interested in logging the valve and getting it in there quick, then the app is, I'll, I'll go to the app, you know, first thing. If it's something where I want to look at an overview of everything, which I, I tend to want to do, I'm just, I don't know if it's because I'm just, that's how I grew up with, you know, computers, my brain, the way it works. But if I'm doing long form stuff, then I want, like I said, I want to see that tree view and I want to look at all my sites and and things like that. So I think it's just, I think it's just depends on who you are, really. I mean, I use them both. I just probably use the computer side of it more just for personal preference. You know, the app, the app is faster. I mean, it's definitely faster. And what I do like about that too, though, is if you go to bring up a valve site and you bring up a valve, it automatically will bring up the parts kit that you need. Whereas the website, I believe, I'm encouraged, Jake can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you have to put that information in yourself. It gets broken down a little bit different between the website and the app, for sure. And the app is more of a condensed version, so it's just the quick-hitted facts that you need on it versus the the way more long, elongated facts on the on the website, for sure. Yeah, if I was in a situation where you know I had 15 minutes left at the end of the day, oh, I forgot to order that parts kit for you know site A. Let me go grab that real quick. I would pull the app up, pull the site up, get that part kit information, and then get with my distributor or vendor and let them know the part number and get that on on the way. Absolutely. Tim, were you using any kind of asset management programs or software before you started using Link to Valves? So I wasn't using any specific asset management software. I'm not a computer genius. So what I decided to do was uh, I decided that, well, an, an iPad was kind of cheap at the time. And so I spent a couple hundred dollars, bought an iPad, and it comes with numbers and pages. Well, so I was using pages similar to the way Link to Valves is set up in that I would, I would create my little spreadsheet and then add valve information, whether it's visible on SCADA, there's electrical, what pilots were on it, and so forth. And then I would log my maintenance. As I did the maintenance, I would take photos and include all that. It was functional. I mean, it worked, but I had no geolocation. I had no monthly reminders. I could put the park kit information in there, stuff, which I kind of started to do until Link to Valves came out. 
Link of House came out right about the time I started really getting detailed with mine. So I kind of used pages in that same vein. All I was using numbers for was basically an asset database. I was just, I had every single valve that the city of Redlands had that they owned in this period. So I think we had over, oh, I think we had 102 active valves, but we had about 111 in inventory. So, you know, I wanted to be able to see if I needed to provide something to management and asset list, I wanted to be able to do that. And so it was kind of a, a pain because I want, I just toggle back and forth between, you know, uh, what we had actually an asset and then, you know, my maintenance. So, but to answer your question, no, I wasn't using a specific software. I was just making do with what I had at the time. And, and that's a, really another thing that we found when we were kicking around the idea of linked valves is, you know, how are people currently tracking them? And some people have a, an asset management that, you know, is not tailored to valves. That is just the general asset management. So you have to really fine tune it yourself and put your own information in. Or, you know, I can't tell you how many districts we've been to where there's a guy in the back room that he's got a notebook that he's been writing in for 10 years or a card catalog or, or whatever it may be, or somebody had it in their head. And they, they one guy knew at the district and, and nobody else knew. But Linked Valves is, is an asset management program that is tailored specifically to control valves. Uh, you know, we don't we don't know gay valves. We don't know butterflies. We don't know any of that. We know control valves. So we want to make it as as efficient for control valves as possible because we consider control valves one of the most critical assets in any system. So, Tim, from a from a customer perspective, you know, what, what benefits have you noticed that that linked valves really provides for a district? Talk us through just some of the ways that you've seen this make a difference. I mean, I think the main benefit for them is to is to be able to track the valve condition status and location. I mean, if you don't know you have a valve, you can't maintain it. And I'll give an example, touching on what Jake had just mentioned. You know, the way the water industry works, there always is one or two guys that kind of know every, like, they card catalog, have it in their head, whatever. And what I've seen in my 20 years, 22 years is the changing of staff, be it management or the guy that knows the system and retires or goes to another agency. I can tell you how link to valves helped me in Redlands. So a short, real quick story. Once I got all the valves logged in Redlands, my kind of my aim with link to valves was to be able to hand that program off to whoever, uh, another mechanic, if I was on vacation, the management supervision, should I have left the agency, something like that. And I wanted them to be able to just pick up and know where everything was and the condition of it, when it was repaired last, what its current state was. Well, it did exactly that when I left, when I left Mission Springs or to Mission Springs, there were, there were valves in Redlands that I couldn't call them right now and describe over the phone, the location, you had to know where they were at. And link to valves now, because you can geolocate it within, it's it, I found it was accurate within six to 12 feet. I mean, most of the time. So now the last couple of weeks I was there, we opened that up and I was just showing the guys, look, here's where this is. Let's go here. And we just drive to that location. And we, we were able to find them. So that to me, that's a huge benefit for the district. That's massive. <laughs> valves are tricky. Uh, all over, you know, I, I found one as a matter of fact on accident that nobody knew was there in the system. All of our, all of our sales team, you know, they work with their individual districts and they, they go out, help people log valves if they need it or get on board. You know, Tim's been pretty self-sufficient, but some districts need a little bit of uh, assistance getting valves logged. And I can't tell you how many times we've been out there and we open up a vault and they're like, 
I had no idea there was a control valve in there. Who's been maintaining that? Well, obviously nobody if they didn't even know it was there. You know, you get you open one up and a guy, I've been here 18 years and I didn't, I've never opened that. You know, so getting those on record is the, the number one way to start tracking them. Yeah, I can give you an, a kind of a quick example of Redlands with kind of what Jake's saying here with nobody touching them is I was told that the last time that the valves before I started anything valve maintenance over there at Redlands, I was told they were last maintenance in 2009 by a contractor and they just handed me a folder. Well, when I started rebuilding valves, I was pulling out diaphragms from 1972. So I don't, <laughs> I'm not super confident that anybody in 2009 came through and decided, Oh, that's a good idea to just leave that diaphragm in there. But I mean, it's possible. I mean, you know, clay valves are, are bulletproof, man, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go through them and maintenance them. <laughs> you know, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, Jake was talking about, you know, how to get started and, and that sort of thing. Tim, if someone is just getting started using link to valves, do you have any recommendations for them on where they should start and how they can best kind of get going and get up and running? Yeah, I guess there's a couple of schools of thought on that. I mean, I can give you an example of how I tackled it. So so what I did was I, I figured in a couple of different factors. And one of the first things I looked at was how critical the valve was to system operation, Right. If this is, you know, if this valve is my workhorse and it's being used constantly and can't be down for much time or, you know, time constraints on being down or something, then those valves, the critical valves, I want those logged first. I want all those logged first, and I obviously want to maintenance those first. The other thing, too, is uh, that's where operations is a, is a tool, is a good tool. You know, talking to operations, they, they know how the system operates better than anyone else does, and they know what's critical. And so... Once I determined, you know, the 18 modulating valves in Redland's particular case were the lifeblood, so they were the most critical. What I did after that was I kind of just went by sites. So I decided, well, I'm going to go with production sites. So if I don't have wells, I don't have water, which means I don't have pipeline or any reason to use a control valve. So I went to our four most critical wells. Those wells were very high pressure and they had surge anticipators. So... We did have a history of power loss in the area. That's why those were installed. And so I went ahead and did the, the pump the pump to waste valve and the uh, surge anticipators and did those first. And then I, you know, went from there. I went to altitude valves and I, I just kind of approached it systematically like that. When you have a hundred valves, man, yeah, it can get overwhelming. You know, you like, where do I start? What do I do? I kind of did it that way and kind of compartmentalized it and broke it down that way. But there's... You know, I mean, every district is going to, you know, our maintenance guy would probably have a different approach, but that's what I did. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice because sometimes it's just the the getting started and knowing where to start that that's the biggest step and the biggest hurdle. And now we, we've talked about, you know, what you did at, at your previous district. You logged all of the, the valves and you had the, the link to valves account and that sort of thing. What happened to that account once you left? Do you have any idea of how that was handed off and used afterwards? Yeah, so I handed it over to management and we changed the administration responsibilities via Clayval. As far as I know, they're still using it. I've only been at Mission Springs about a month now, so I haven't had the time to really figure out what my new job is and responsibility. And then getting valves logged on link to valves there, I think I've logged over 50 valves there now. <laughs> You've been active in your in your uh, your month, I'll tell you that. So. Yes. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm just, I'm an animal, I guess, but... Uh, um, so I'm still, I'm still kind of, you know, working, working hard over there. So I haven't really had a chance to talk to management supervision, but as far as I know, they're still using it and they were extremely happy when I, when I went through the whole, the whole program with them before I left and 
here, here's the meat and potatoes of it. And I left you guys in good shape. They're, they seem to be really happy with it and really thought it was a good deal. Uh, t- Tim touched on it earlier, but you know, that that's the, the number one thing that we get is, you know, there's usually one guy at the system. That's the control valve guy or one or two guys. And when somebody retires, uh, old Jerry over in the corner, he's been working on the control valves for 30 years and nobody else touches them because Jerry knew them. Well, that's great. Jerry did a great job maintaining them, but somebody else has to learn that when, when he leaves. So being able to literally hand the, the keys to the program to the next person and have all that information logged in there and saved and the notes section, being able to put set points and, you know, I can't tell you how many times we open it. What's the setup? I have no clue what this is set at, but it hasn't broken anything. So don't touch it. Being able to have all the information logged, when somebody last touched it, what modifications they made to the valve, and having that recipe book to each valve handed over is really important, I think. And, and that was the number one thing that we really were thinking about for the transitional period. And what we do as a company is somebody that the previous administrator can say, hey, I need to uh, hand the, the reins to somebody else. And, and we only issue we issue individual logins for each person. So it's not like there's one master login that somebody can take with them. We can turn it off if somebody leaves and, and hand the keys over to somebody else or um, however the district wants to set it up, we, we tailor it to them. So Tim, as the designated Delta V guy, uh, link to valves guy, you know, uh, do you have multiple users or do you handle things yourself? Do you want to have other people that, that have access to this and maybe make it more of a team effort? Talk us through that as well. Well, my view, my view is I'm the type of guy that if you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it with 110% and I'm going to go above and beyond. That's just me. I've done that my whole life. That's how I was brought up. So I wouldn't say it's really so much dependent on what I want. What, what I would like to see rather is more people get involved, you know, maintenance mechanics. And I want to be able to share the responsibility and be a resource, but I don't want to have to be the only person that anyone comes to. And I think that's what's great about the the, the link to valves because, you know, one of the nice things about it, and I and I forgot to mention this earlier, is if you use the comments section in the notes and write down the function of the valve and what it's designed for. So let's say the eight inch valve at Agate is set to open at high level from Fifth Avenue Reservoir, right? If you start writing that in the notes, when you do hand it over to another mechanic or another control valve guy, they get to know the system really well because they understand what that valve does in the system. And so that's a that's a key benefit too. I've never tried to be the only person to be involved with it. I just it just kind of kind of just really it's just kind of it's just kind of fell in that way. I mean, because I'm just I'm just kind of go, you know, and there's two or three guys at Redlands that I showed them the link to valves program and you know, and, and kind of walked them through the basics of it and how to use it. So I would love other users to want to get on there and do with it. I think a lot of guys just, they want to do their job and go home. And it's not something I've been hogging, put it that way. I mean, I'm not sure if, if that really answers your question too well, but. Uh, no, I, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Absolutely. So we've talked in the past about critical asset assessment. How have you used the app to track those? And tell me a little bit more about the, the importance of that to you and how you use the app. So what I kind of started to do at Redlands was, um, and like I said, I'm still kind of figuring out Mission Springs, but um, what I did there was uh, I listed pretty much every valve that that they owned. And I did that whether they were being used or not. And then that way I can track it all as an asset. But if you're walking into the program as a new a new user or, you know, new employee or something, that can get kind of tricky because you kind of see a valve that needs to be maintenance and... Uh, 
it's not even in the system. So uh, that's kind of one way I use to track all the asset part, the entire asset, which would kind of, which kind of would bring up a good point too, that I, I don't know if I mentioned this to Jake, but for instance, for me in the tree view, because I like that view, it'd be nice to have maybe an active or inactive status and even like an inventory page where you could click on a separate page and list all your valves in your inventory that, you know, that you have in total. Cause I kind of look for like a one-stop yeah, like no, that's one, great. One stop place. You know, I don't want to have to shift back and forth between two or three things. So that's kind of how I'm doing it. I'm, I'm logging it with everything, whether we use it or not, whether it's active or not. And then I just write in the comments, whether it's active or in the system, but a visual guide would be nice too. Do you, do you guys use the printout of the uh, monthly reports at all? Do you guys use those? I had used them in Redlands a couple of times. Mostly I just looked at the email and I knew the system so well that I looked at the email, looked at the valve location. Okay, yeah. cool. And I kept so many parts and stuff on inventory over there at Redlands that, I mean, I just walk into the shop, grab a kit and go. I mean, I, I had probably 12, you know, main valve rubber kits on the truck various sizes and valves. So, I mean, I, I didn't really use the printout so much. I just kind of did, I just got the email and used it yeah. in that way. And that's the monthly email? Yeah, the monthly report. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super helpful. I mean, especially as a reminder, like I said, you know, we all wear a lot of hats and, you know, you get in that email is, oh, yeah, oh, you know what? Yeah, I got to get, I better get on that one. You know, that one's overdue. So that, that that's a that's a great feature. I really like that. Are you guys setting setting yourselves up on a three year, five year? You're, have you tailored the uh, the app's basic recommendations, or do you you just let the app kind of tell you? Because I know you can set them up. You know, some people have set them up, but they want to remind it every year or every five years. So, how do you guys set you, yourselves up? Yeah. So what I do is I kind of use Clavel's recommendation. Uh, they do. I think it's three, six, and ten is the rubber repair and rebuild. I'll kind of tailor that. I use that as my default, and then I'll tailor that depending on, let's say, it's like a workhorse valve that's in service constantly. Uh, how old is the valve? If it's a non-epoxy coated valve that's 25 years old, I might do a rebuild on it every five years instead of every 10. When the program brings it up, the default settings, I, I think they're great. I mean, three, six, and 10, that, that's perfect. So to answer your question, default is, is is what I've been using that I tailor specifically. I think we find that a lot too. Is is the the default setting is what most people run with. And I I'm careful when I rebuild valves too to take a lot of pictures of internals and write a real detailed uh, analysis of what I found in there because all that stuff gets noted in link to valves and then I I can when it comes up time. Hey, this valve's coming up for service. I can look at that, refer to my notes of that valve and say, oh, I last year I had to take, there was a lot of burrs in the seat or in the stem or the cover bearing was wearing out really bad or something like that. And then I can look at it and go, okay, then let's go ahead and get a cover bearing on order. Let's get, let's replace the stem this year. It's got a lot of cavitation on the bottom side or just retainers bad or, you know, or Something like that. So that's so that's kind of how I've tracked it. Yeah, that detail of notes is, is awesome, and that just goes back to when when the next person comes along, and even if it's not before you retired, but somebody's grabbing parts off the shelf, or it's their turn to rebuild that section of the district, and they know exactly what they did last time that somebody was in there. To expand on link to valves, even to have the pilot, the you know, uh, 
kind of pilot inventory and parts inventory, you know, overall what you have in your company. I mean, somewhere down the road wouldn't probably wouldn't hurt either. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. And that's and Tyler, that's that's the best part about Tim. Since we rolled this out, he's given us three or four things that we've been able to actually implement and then we keep developing. And every person that work reuses the that app and, and sends a suggestion, you know, those don't fall on deaf ears and they go to a active board of uh, making the app better. So it's come a long way since it first rolled out and every revision we hope it gets a little bit better. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Tim. Have you kind of enjoyed getting to to work with the team at Claybout to to hone in on on what your particular needs are and you know help make this a, a better product that as you continue to go that that more accurately fits how you need it to work when you have it deployed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's been an honor to work with Claybell. I mean, the fact that you know, just I mean, they're a great company, and just the fact that they're even asking my opinion, you know, is is that's huge for me. A lot of companies, you know, the end users given a product and then it's kind of like, well, here's what we have. There you go. You know, and Clayball is actually taking their customers feedback and they're implementing it. To me, that's that's huge because being able to tailor being able to tailor that program to your specific needs is I mean, like Jake said earlier, earlier on in the um, discussion that uh, every district is so different now. And their needs are so different that this is this has been really cool. It's been a good experience for me. And as long as they'll have me, I'll I'll give them my input and always, you know, feel free to work with them and give them my my feedback. So it's been a great experience. We we appreciate the the uh, the customer feedback. They're the ones who have to use it. You know, we we use it every day, so it's easy for us to say, oh, just do this or that, uh, or make this adjustment and it'll work, or you know, whatever it may be being able to tailor it to how the customer actually needs it to work. And they're the ones that, you know, don't use it every single day. So they need it to work when they use it, when they want to use it. Not, um, you know, we don't expect them to be using it every single day. So we want it to fit them. And it's, it's worked really well thus far. It really has. Lesson, that's some excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. And Tim, before we got you out of here today, I wanted to ask one last question, just uh, specifically around budgeting. Do you use the overdue valve tracking tool to, to budget and maybe to plan ahead and that sort of thing? You know, currently I don't. Um, that's just a tool I haven't used as of yet. I do plan on using it in the future, but I just haven't, honestly, with, with leaving the job and starting a new one, I haven't had time to really tackle it. You know, but it's definitely something that I want to I wanna talk to, you know, probably call you know, Jake or James or someone and have them run, run through some things, you know, run through things on it with me. But yeah, that's definitely a tool I want to start using. I just, I just haven't had time to really delve into it yet. Well, excellent stuff. And it's also uh, pretty great to be able to call uh, guys like Jake and ask for his help on setting up something new and trying something that you haven't gotten a chance to dive into yet. So another pretty cool aspect of, uh, of Link to Valves. Tim Newman and Jake Corzine. Guys, thanks so much for joining us here on uh, this episode of the Valve Chronicles and, uh, and breaking down Link to Valves for us. Appreciate it, Tyler. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Valve Chronicles. We appreciate you joining us very much. Stay tuned for more episodes. We have lots of episodes of the podcast coming soon that you won't want to miss. But until then, thanks again to my guests today, Jake and Tim. I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us.